Well, if there's a better voice in radio than our next guest, I want to hear it. We go now to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line where we're joined by Scott McFarland. He's the CBS Congressional uh, Correspondent. Scott, how are you, sir? Disappointed I'm watching baseball playoffs and there's no Cardinals. I'm yeah. trying to get over it. I mean, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. Whitey Herzog, yep. John Tudor. Man, this doesn't feel right. Uh, every couple of decades, we have a bad year, Scott. Hopefully, we'll put it back together next year and bring a smile back to that beautiful face of yours. God bless you. Hey, uh, let's talk about what's going on. Obviously, Speaker McCarthy was ran this week. Uh, now the fight is taking place. Uh, Congress took a week off, I guess, to try to sort this out. Jim uh, Jordan's running. Steve Scalise is running. There's a couple of others running. Uh, first of all, who, who looks like they're putting this together? And second of all, will they change the rules or will they face the same fate that potentially uh, that Speaker McCarthy did? Let me start with the bottom line. This is a particularly tenuous moment for the U.S. House of Representatives to be paralyzed. And to be clear, it is. It is frozen in ember until they choose a speaker because November 17th is the next deadline for a government shutdown. We hope to have a speaker by November 17th because nobody's running away with this. If somebody was running away with the speakership, we'd be having a vote today in the U.S. House. Donald Trump overnight endorsed Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, the Ohio Republican, who's been among his most ardent and vocal supporters. But this is the one piece of real estate in Republican politics where Trump is not a silver bullet because this is a secret ballot election, so people can vote their conscience or however they want without revealing their vote publicly. And the win, the winnable votes, the swing votes in the speaker election among Republicans are really the moderates, those who are in you know, Biden districts, those who represent suburban New York City, Los Angeles, Philadelphia. And a Donald Trump endorsement may not help <laughs> win over their cause. Yeah, and, and Republicans did... You know, in spite of how bad the midterms were in 22, they really had some impressive wins in New York. Uh, and you can really drop the majority, the credit for the majority on some of those races up in the Northeast, which is ironic in and of itself. So this binary race right now between Scalise and uh, and Jordan, it seems to me that there's no chance that either one of these two is going to be able to put 218 votes together. How does this get resolved? Is it is it possible that they deadlock here and then they turn to a consensus candidate who's not particularly running at the moment? Is that how this thing is likely to end, Scott? If I were a betting man, and I am, I'd bet the mortgage on that happening because I don't see the composition, the broad tapestry of composition of 218 votes that are needed coming together for Jim Jordan who is, to put it charitably, a polarizing figure. Um, he's a Fox News star. He's a particularly good communicator. He is about as loyal as it gets to Donald Trump. But that's not what this game is. This is about getting the entirety of the Republican conference. They all got to support you because Democrats aren't going to give you any votes. And I don't know how he builds that broader coalition so quickly. Steve Scalise, who has such a remarkable biography, um, He's been a leader for a while here. He's been a great fundraiser for Republicans, perhaps the best one left for House Republicans. He survived an assassination attempt on the baseball field in the shooting in 2017. He is fighting blood cancer right now with aggressive treatments, says he's up for it, says he's the right guy for it. But his coalition is Southern. It's conservative. It's kind of in a concentric circle with Jim Jordan's. Somebody's got to win over 217 or 218 people. 
And I don't know who that is yet. And that's why I would say we may have a new name sometime soon. And I think that new name might end up being Elise Stefanik, the conference chair. Um, she has not tossed her hat in the ring for this. She's very tactical. Uh, she plays the inside game, uh, has demonstrated the ability to play the inside game. Might she be uh, a choice that, uh, with a gridlock uh, kind of shoots up through the middle? Let me give you the pros and cons of that. The pros is she's actually a very good fundraiser. And one of the biggest jobs of the leader of a party, Speaker of the House, is you got to raise money. Kevin McCarthy was distinctively good at that. And one of the reasons why there's so many frustrations among Republicans that he's gone as speaker, because he was particularly good at raising money. And, oh, by the way, he might raise money to primary some good candidates against these defectors who voted him out. Um, Elise Stefanik has built herself uh, inside the Republican Party here in the House by being a prodigious fundraiser. Um, The downside for her is she has (laughs) transformed her political complexion from a moderate in a purple upstate New York district to a firebrand who espouses Donald Trump talking points. And again, you got to win over the moderates. you got to win over the Main Street Republicans, those from the purple or blue districts, and she may have a challenge there. Scott, will they be able to change the rule that allows just one member to make a motion to vacate? Because if they don't, isn't the next speaker ultimately facing the same scenario? Sure is. Jim Jordan says he won't. Um, so Jim Jordan's running on a campaign to get those eight defectors back and uh, try to <laughs> make the argument that he'd be the kind of speaker who wouldn't be a victim of that rule. But there is a coalition of Republicans, likely those who are most devoted to Kevin McCarthy, who say you're not going to get our vote for speaker unless you change that rule, because we don't want this faction of Republicans, this group holding everybody else hostage politically. I mean, there is acrimony I have never seen inside the Republican House conference. There was a letter just circulated by a group of McCarthy supporters saying, we want either something preventative or punitive done to prevent these eight from ever exacting their will on the rest of us again. They want a rule change. They don't want this ever happening again. That's another thing on the table as they discuss who's going to be the next speaker. It almost uh, seems like there's unanimous uh, agreement in the Republicans in the United States Senate that the House needs to get its you-know-what together. Yeah, and because these deadlines are real and they're ominous. The government shutdown is not a painless thing. In fact, it's a bit of a nightmare because anybody who shuts down the government is responsible for the stripping of paychecks of millions of federal workers and service members. Government shutdowns also strip social safety net programs for people who need money to buy, you know, food and baby formula. And that shutdown is speeding toward us November 17th. Not only is the Senate um, asking the House to get together and pass a bill, we need the House to function again. The doors are locked. The lights are off indefinitely in half of the U.S. Congress. That's just a bad dynamic. Scott McFarland is our guest, CBS News congressional correspondent. Before we let you go, there's two big looming issues on the horizon. One is on on the financing the government side, and they're either going to have to figure out a way to pass appropriations bills that could go through the process, go to the Senate, come back through conference committee and pass. That seems to be a daunting task. Uh, The other thing they could do is kick the can, as they just did the other day, and pass another continuing resolution. And there's that issue. And then there's this issue of funding Ukraine. Those are the two very significant things facing this Congress. And Ukraine funding is up in the air right now. Yeah, and Jim Jordan has said he's not interested in continuing funding that. 
Um, so as Speaker of the House, he might try to guide the U.S. House away from providing taxpayer funds to help Ukraine. That's a reality that Senate Republicans don't like. There's a lot to hash out in this speaker's race. There's a lot of real impact on Americans and on the world in this speaker's race. It's not just palace intrigue or inside political baseball. (laughs) So there's plenty of that, too. Um, That's what makes me think this isn't going to be ready to be voted on and approved by Tuesday or Wednesday. This could be a while. He is Scott McFarlane. He's a CBS congressional news correspondent. Thanks so much, Scott. Good luck. I wish there was more for you to cover. (laughs) (laughs) We'll stay busy, brother. Thank you. Exactly. Hey, we're going to step aside, but first, listen to this.